of victory. They're living in a place of victory. Think about it. God put this on Nehemiah's heart to go up and to rebuild the wall. Uh, God made it possible. Nehemiah got there. He got there with the funds that he needed. It was amazing that we saw uh, weeks ago that he even got to leave Shushan the palace. There he was, an employee, uh, the cupbearer of Artaxerxes. and uh, it was amazing that he even got to leave and he agreed to it and he got to go up with all of the authority of the king, with all uh, the, the finances of the king. I, I'm just telling you, it's, we, we need to be reminded of this over and over again. It, listen, if you just find the will of God and do it, he'll pay the bills. I'm telling you, he'll take care of you. And I doesn't, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's uh, witnessing to somebody, whether it's uh, having to uh, meet somebody uh, two states away or whatever it is. If God puts it on your heart to do it, do it and he'll take care of it. All right. And this is where Nehemiah was. And he got up and he, they began to build the wall and began to get the Israelites all, that were already there, got them all on board. And they started building. And then here comes the opposition. Here comes the false accusations. Here comes the lawsuits. And uh, here comes the, the defamation of character and say, oh, you just want to be king. And uh, Nehemiah, remember, uh, um, Tobias was, you just want to be king and you just want to rule from here. And he said, you have feigned it out of your own mind. It never came to my mind. And he says, I don't have time to come down with you. I'm busy in the work. And, and I'm telling you, they, 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 they had opposition after opposition after opposition. But in 52 days, they got the wall built. And then we came up in chapter Chapter seven. We haven't looked at it because it would bore you out of your out of out of your mind to go through this lineage, this census that was taken of who was there. And I love this. They may not have realized <clears throat> why they were doing this, but the Holy Spirit of God did. And here we have yet another genealogy that validates the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is in the line of the Messiah. He is the line in the lineage of Abraham. He is the line of David. And uh, just another, uh, another, another evidence uh, of who Jesus is. You realize, and I, and I pose this to Jews when I do get an opportunity, very rare opportunity, but when I do, I, I bring this up to them uh, really rather quickly, which is, okay, if your Messiah does come, if, he, if Jesus isn't it and you are still waiting for him, where are your genealogical records to validate it? They are gone, church. They're gone. They've been destroyed. 70 AD when, when Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem, all of that stuff is gone. And you know what the, the tour guide, the Jewish tour guide in Israel told me? I asked him, I said, oh, how will you know who he is? Well, God will tell us. Really? It'll be the Antichrist. We know that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And so here they have a, 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 gene, a, a genealogy, a census that they, they cleaned the census. They cleaned the church rolls of all of those who weren't Israelites, right? He, they, they cleaned the roll of all of those. And, and uh, then after that, they take up an offering. Hey, we got to have money, right? They take up an offering and they went home. They went home. It was all done. It was, everything was good. The wall was completed. They're living in a place of victory. They're living in a really good, a really good place. But I want you to show you here in verse one. Look where they are. 
It says here, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. On the very first day of the seventh month, okay, the people, they gathered together. Here it is. This is, this is not insignificant. And we're going to look at this. They gathered together at the water gate, and they asked Ezra here to bring the word of God, and read it. Now notice this here, they are assembled before the water gate. If you remember, we went through the gates of understanding what they were in the water gate. Here again was significant uh, that it, the, the spiritual significance of the water gate is a picture of the effect of the word of God on our life. It is a picture of the effect of the word of God on our life. Uh, Paul was speaking of the church, Ephesians 5, 26. And he said that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The word of God, it cleans. It cleans. Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How, how does a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible says, Psalm 119 and verse 9. John 15, 3. Jesus said, Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now if you remember the gate before the water gate, watch this picture here. The gate before the water gate was the fountain gate. Well, what happened at the fountain gate? Huh? He that believeth on me, the scriptures, as the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What's going on at the fountain gate but salvation? People are getting saved. What happens when you get saved? Living water is coming out of that life, right? And, uh, but what happens, what happens to springs? Sometimes they get clogged up. Sometimes they get dirty. I've told you about our little, uh, uh, the pool of slime hole that we have in our woods. Not the pool of Siloam, but I call it the pool of slime hole. Because it's just this murky looking spring that comes out. And I think my brother-in-law put some rocks around it to kind of contain the water. Makes a little bit of a pool. And it looks pretty good when you go up there. Not, sometimes it can be pretty clean if the water's been running well. And, uh, but when the dog gets in it, he starts digging and rooting. And man, it turns all gray and black and murky and ugly and awful. And uh, sometimes I get in there, I get to start digging. I'll dig leaves out of it. It's been a while since I've been down there. I'll dig leaves out and get it all cleaned out and make it look nice. What am I saying? It gets clogged up and it gets murky and it gets dirty. Um, it's running water, but it's not running enough because of all the garbage that is in it. And so what happens in our life as a believer? Hey, we get, friend, we live in a broken world. We live in a cursed world. We, have a, we still have our flesh that Jesus did not redeem yet and it is fallen and it is broken and we get a, listen, our lives get dirty, don't they? And what do you have here? Here's the picture. They're gathering at the water gate, which is what? The Word of God. Because they've already been at the fountain gate, which is salvation, but they've gotten dirty. And what happens sometimes when you get dirty? You just listen. Listen, you need the Word of God. You need the cleansing of the Word. We need that when confession comes and repentance comes. First uh, John 1, 9, if thou shalt confess... Uh, um, uh, One nine. Anyway, yeah, he's thou shalt confess that he is faithful and just to forgive thee of thy sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I should. 
anyway, I'll, I'll think about it here in just a second. It'll come back to me. So uh, anyway, confession comes, and you know what? Uh, cleansing, cleansing comes. There's nothing more miserable in the life of a believer than some clogged up plumbing lines. There's some of the most miserable people you'll meet are backslidden Christians, out of the will of God, bitter, upset, and angry. Yeah. They're just they're just miserable. They're just not even fun to be around. The joy of the Lord is gone. Right? And they're just grousing around in the world. It's almost easier to get around somebody who's lost. <laughs> Why? Because they're battling God differently than the saved person's battling. You battle the Holy Spirit of God that's in you, man. That's a different fight. Yeah. And so, how do we clean out the pipes? <laughs> well, it's the Word of God, right? It's the Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Notice two things that happen with the word of God. First, the word of God cleans us, and the word of God builds us up. It builds us up. Psalm 40 and verse 2, He brought brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock. See that? Building up. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. God not only picks us out of a pit, and He not only cleans us up, but He puts us somewhere stable. So we, don't, so, do, so we don't get back in there again. If he just put, picked you up out of the mud and kind of dusted you off, cleaned you off, and set you on the, the border of that mud again, well, you're, you're dirty again. You, know? you're, you have the ability to slide back into that hole again, but he doesn't do that. He puts you on a rock. So notice this now. Look at the picture of what's going on here in verse 1. There is an assembly of Israelites. There's a, an assembly, let's call them this, of God's people. They had the opportunity to get back into the will of God, And they did. They went up and built the wall. Now they are exactly where God wants them to be. They're back in the land. Why do they have to be back in the land? Well, the Messiah hasn't come yet. We need to have Jews in the land so eventually the Messiah can be born. So they're right where God wanted them to be. They've finished rebuilding the wall. They have assembled. And this group of God's people who have been dirtied by the world are assembling at the water gate. What do they ask for? They say, hey, we want the Word of God. They want the Word of God. Who do they want to read it? They said, would you go get Ezra? We want Ezra. Watch this. We're all assembled here by the water gate. Would somebody go get Ezra and have them come bring the Word of God? We want to hear the Word of God. Wow. I'd tell you what, there'd be a change in our churches if people would get such a heart and a craving for the Word of God that they just needed to hear the Word of God. You notice they wanted Ezra. Why? Well, he was a scribe. We know that. But if you remember back in the book of Ezra, what marked Ezra but a man who was broken. And the people, because of the brokenness of Ezra, because of the confession of Ezra, he said, I have sinned and my fathers have sinned and our nation has sinned. And he was broken and he wept and the the people gathered with him. If I remember right, it was raining and the people have gathered around him and the Israel is weeping around with Ezra because of their broken condition over their sin and over the condition of their nation and and, and where they had gone from such a pinnacle and of, of, of God's 
grace and glory over Israel and where they were at that time. And they just said, we have sinned. It was the man Ezra broken who brought Israel to that condition. And when it came time here, the wall was built. They have assembled. They said, hey, we just want to hear the word of God and we want Ezra to read it to us. I tell you what, there's a lot of preachers out there. But sometimes when you need something, you say, I want to hear it from him. I don't really want to hear it from him. Why? Sometimes you find one that's broken. You just want to hear the word of God from them. Why? Because it's effective in their life. It's real. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Ezra was real. He's a real deal, man. (laughs) Right? He's real. Hey, be careful about getting your knowledge from the Bible from somebody who has a great mind, but they don't have a great heart. Because the hearts that, listen, there are a lot of brilliant people in the Bible. There are a lot of scholars out there. There are a lot of theologians out there. But it doesn't mean they have a heart for God. Not at all. See, knowing, listen, knowing the Bible, just knowing the Bible doesn't make you closer to God. Right? Some of the, some of the greatest minds in the Word of God are the farthest from God there are. Why? Because knowing the Bible doesn't make you know God. Watch, watch, watch. It is obeying the Word of God that gets you to, brings you to a place to know God. Not knowing it, obeying it. Yeah. It's a hard issue. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It is a hard issue. It is, this was Ezra, right? This was Ezra. So here we have an assembly. Watch, it's on purpose. They did it all on their own. Do you realize Nehemiah did not call this. Ezra did not call this. The people began to gather here of their own will and of their own court. Watch. They wanted to assemble. Nobody had to coax them. Nobody had to call them. Nobody had to text them. Nobody said, hey, are you coming uh, to church Sunday? I know you remember, but are you coming? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I tell you what, friend, sometimes I just get wore out. Listen, this is the role of a shepherd. A shepherd's, you know, you keep track of the sheep. I get it. Sometimes you got to babysit way too much. When all you do, really what needs to be going on really is probably some fasting and praying over people's heart condition. Yeah. They've assembled here in verse 1. I want you to notice this. They've asked for the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, we know what it says, right? For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any, any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and the spirit of the, and of the, the, the joints and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I love that, of the word of God. You can be dealing with something in your life that nobody knows about and read the word of God and the spirit of God goes <clears throat> right there. I'm telling you why it knows. It's alive. It's quick. It is alive. This is what they wanted. They wanted the living word of God. Hey, I'm telling you, I love music and I love singing, right? But a church service that is centered around music and singing and entertainment is like a life centered around dessert. It's good for a little while. Yeah. But I'm telling you what, when sickness comes, you won't be strong enough to fight it. And probably it might induce a lot of the sickness as well. You can't live on dessert, right? It is an accessory. It's a treat. It's an outside of what you're... I mean, how many of you grew up and say, you know, well, no, you're not having dessert. You didn't finish that and you didn't finish that and you didn't eat that and you're not getting dessert until you do. And it's amazing 
when that pie goes out on the table, how well you get that ability to finish your plate up, right? I remember my nephews once, my grandmother over at Verona told, I, I remember, you're not having dessert until you finish your beets. And boy, they ate their beets down. I'm like, man, am I glad they're not on my plate because those things are nasty. Yeah. Like eating, eating red dirt, man, it's terrible. And, uh, but I, that's true, man. Hey, dessert was a, was a treat. It was a treat. Yeah. Same in the spiritual realm, though. When Satan, hey, listen, when Satan comes, you had, you had better have more knowledge of the Word of God and you better have a greater heart for God than the small amount of theology in your worship songs. Do you realize when Satan come, Jesus didn't sing him a hymn? Now, there's some hymns out there you probably could sing a line or two because it's the Word of God. Right? But he didn't sing him a hymn. We're at a we're at a some youth thing. Mistakenly, we didn't realize what it was going to be. It was supposed to be an independent Baptist church. Well, it was by name, but worldly and carnal, and uh, and it was a youth thing. And they started this song. We had no idea. It was it was just called yes 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 yes. And they're just jumping up and yes 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 yes. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is. Could you imagine Jesus? Right? When Satan said, you know, if, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. And Jesus said, yes, 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 yes. No, he didn't. He said, it is written. It is the Word of God. Right? Amen. Yeah. The first thing this assembly asked for when they came together of their own will, they asked for the Word of God. Yeah. This is, hey, listen, this, this needs to be the center of every service we have. I love the singing. I love choirs. I love special music. I love instrumentals. I love orchestras and churches. I like all of it. But listen, it is nothing next to the preaching of the Word of God. That's the center of it all. Absolutely. Should be, hey, if it's the center of the church, it means it should be the center of every life. Because what is the church but a collection of members, right, that have, that have joined themselves to the body. And uh, if the church is going to be centered around the Word of God, it means every individual life and every individual home needs to be centered around the Word of God, right? right? It ought to be on your walls. It ought to be the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. It ought to be upon your mind all day uh, to meditate. You know, there's a, there's, there's a point of memorizing the Word of God, but then there's another thing of meditating on the Word of God when you just ruminate on it and you chew on a verse and you think about it and you, you ponder it and other verses come to your mind. I tell you, uh, somebody made a great statement one time. They said, I wonder if we'd ever have any of the Psalms if David had an iPhone. You know what he was able to do on those hillsides? That prepared him for the ministry that God gave him as king of Israel. Boy, he had a lot of time to meditate. He talked about it, didn't he? Yeah, Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. When he talked about the, in uh, Psalm 1, right, the godly man, it says, In his law doth he what meditate day and night. It was the center of their life. And this is the thing that they asked for when they assembled. They wanted, they wanted the word of God. God and this ought to be the center of ours. Yeah, that's why we assemble. I just told somebody the other day. They asked what time the services were Sunday, and I'm praying for them. And uh, I said, "Hey, we sing, we preach, <laughs> we go knock doors, right? It's real simple. Hey, listen, uh, it, it's real simple. And if you, I mean, I'm all for all of the extras. We just okay, so." 
So we don't have it. You know what? Uh, it, it doesn't mean something's out of church because they don't have a choir. Hey, I know of large churches that don't have a choir because they don't like the fighting and backbiting that goes on because of a choir. Boy, those create a lot of problems sometimes, don't they? Well, why do they get to sing solo? Right? It happens, doesn't it? It happens, right? Yeah. Simple. Yeah. First Timothy four two. I've got it written down here. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all uh, long suffering. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It's the word of God. It's what we need. Ezra brought out the book of the law, it says here. And notice what it says here again. Everyone who could hear and who had the cognitive ability to understand were present. Notice this, men and women. You see that? Verse 2. All that could hear with the understanding upon the first day of the week. I'm sorry, of the seventh month. Both men, men and women, the first part of the verse, and all that could hear with understanding. Yeah. You think there are some five-year-olds there? Probably. Can, can kids hear with understanding? Oh, yes, they can. It's amazing what they know sometimes. It's amazing what they remember. It's amazing what they preach to their, their parents after they get home from Sunday school. We just learned you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> And then they come back next week with a prayer request about what their mom and dad did. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was there. Everybody was present. All men and women and those who could understand, children, maybe non Israelites. I mean, it was out in the public. It's right out of the water gate there, right? No edict, no special Sabbath. Nehemiah hadn't said anything. Ezra didn't say anything. It was all on their own. Why? Because they wanted to. They wanted to. What a joy it would be to have a church full of people assembling because they wanted to. Yeah. Let me tell you, God judges a heart above the actions. Yeah. And it is joy. It is a joy as a pastor to watch the people assemble for the word all on their own. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's, it's the joy of Sunday night. It's the joy of Wednesday nights when people just they just want to be there. They just want to hear the word of God. Notice verse three. They read from the law of Moses from morning until midday. Um, I'm going to take note of that a little bit more. I think the Holy Spirit of God was telling me here that uh, you might want to be here longer than we normally are. I don't know. I might be misunderstanding. We'll see. <laughs> they read the Word of God for about five hours. Yeah. Five hours. You, you, they were attentive to the law, the Bible, the book of the law. The Bible said they were attentive. They were listening. Their eyes were fixed. Yeah. It showed how important they considered the Word of God. Five hours. Could you imagine? When our pastor went to India, he talked about those, those people from India that would walk for hours and hours to get to a church service and they would sit there for hours and hours because they weren't going to walk that far for a 30-minute service. They wanted to hear the Word of God all day long. They wanted to hear it for a long time. Uh, our missionary over in Sri Lanka, he has said, you know, it, it is, you, you don't preach for 45 minutes. You preach for a few hours. Could you imagine? 
we can't handle 30 second sound bites. We get bored, <laughs> right? And uh, with no attention span. They love the Word of God. Watch this. They, 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 they did it. Ezra was standing on a pulpit of wood. Here You say, why do you have a pulpit? Well, here you go. Ezra, there, there's your pulpit of wood. <laughs> Why do they, why they put the pulpit? It's really simple, really. You know, there's nothing hyper-spiritual here, but you know what? They, he just did it so they could all see him. He needed to be seen. But you notice what else is going on here? When you put somebody above the crowd, you're elevating what's going on. What were they elevating? I think they're elevating the Word of God. Absolutely. It was signifying the importance of not only who was reading, here is, this, here is Ezra, right? Uh, the, a man of God and a scribe. But they obviously, the biggest thing is they're elevating the Word of God to signify the importance that it had in their life. And yes, there's just the practical idea of, of being able to hear in the acoustics, of being able to hear it read. But what made Ezra important was not who he was, but necessarily, but what he was doing, right? That's where the importance came in. And I think it's good for for preachers of wherever they are to remember this as well. I know this churches are going to, you know, to, you know, the, it seems like everybody, you know, has gone to the untucked shirt and the cool jeans, right? And uh, the glass little you know, lectern there that you couldn't put a Bible on anyway, hardly. And uh, they have the screen so they can, I, I, I actually saw one today. I won't tell you who it was. It was kind of inter- entertaining. And they have a screen there for all their Bible verses. And they do it like, now let's look, cl- I mean, it was like, wow, that's one way to have your notes. I mean, you can kind of fudge and think, you know, think, you know, you just kind of, it's right there for you. That's great. And you make it look like you want them, <laughs> you want them to have the Bible verses. Yeah. That's what's going on. They're sitting on stools, Right. Some people are getting rid of, they like them down on all one level, like we are right here. I'm so out of the will of God here, but uh, we just can't do that. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're going away from this. Why? A lot of times, because they've already minimized the Word of God. And it's just a byproduct of where they already are. Yeah. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save. What did he say? How shall they hear without a preacher? They need somebody to do it. The Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God, uh, by the grace of God, as long as I'm here and alive, it's going to have the preeminence in this church. Absolutely it will. But I want to show you what else they did here in verse 5. You're going to like this. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people... For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. You say, where do you ever get standing for the reading of the Word of God? Well, here you go. Yeah, We stand out of the respect for the Word of God. We stand uh, as if like a judge would come into the, into the, the courtroom and they say, all rise, right? And why? Because he has preeminence in that room and he has authority in that room and he is above everybody else in that room including the lawyers and all of the rest and they stand out of respect and recognition of his position. Well, I'll tell you what, greater than that judge is what the judge of all the earth and his word right here. What do we do? We stand for it. Brother Jim gets up, says, let's stand for the reading of the word of God and we stand on Sunday morning. We didn't stand tonight. Look what I did, huh? Whew, we're in trouble. And uh, that's a wonderful thing to do. But you notice this? They stood for five hours. 
Brother Martin? Yeah. That'd have been tough. <laughs> Nobody had knees back then. <laughs> they were just fused. They could sit for stand for hours and hours. They stood for the reading of the word of God. I like that. So they were assembled. They had all the, we see their activities that went on in the church. They read the Word of God. They stood for the reading of the Word of God. Notice their actions. Notice how they respond to the Word of God in verse 6. Look at it, it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. <gasps> yes, that's biblical. Don't let the charismatics ruin it for you. It is a biblical thing to raise a holy hand unto God. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You know, our culture has become so self-centered that we believe pretty much everything is about our enjoyment and about our satisfaction. It's what we call humanism, right? The end of all being is the happiness of man. That's humanism. Everything that goes on is for me. And we see it in the preaching of today, Right? We, you see it in the name it and claim it and grab it and blab it and grab it crowd, you know. The word of faith crowd that believes that if I just speak it into existence, it's mine. And God wants me to be wealthy and healthy and, and, and rich and all of these things and never to be sick and all, all this uh, stuff that is not in the word of God, right? And it's all, what is it? It's just humanism. It's humanism. Look at some of our doctrines of heaven and some of that's so humanistic. Look at some of our doctrines of some of the doctrines out there of the of the catching away of the saints, of the rapture of the saints. And sometimes it just comes down to pure humanism because they're just into hawk up to their eyeballs and they want something better, right, for themselves. Right? It's not really about, you know, seeing the Lord. Sometimes it's like, well, I just can't wait to get out of here. Right? And I get it, you know, the whole earth groans and travails. We know that. All of the all of God's creation is uh, groaning and travailing and waiting for this to all be over with someday. But uh, this humanism comes in. We see it in the Christian music, so-called Christian music, humanism. I mean, there's one hymn, I'm not going to tell you tonight, that we just don't, I don't like singing. I just, it's, it's, a, it's a great catchy tune. Some of the words are good, but it just, it just tends to be ugh, so kind of humanistic. Yeah. And I think really kind of, I'll tell you afterward, but kind of, Really, it's kind of not even biblically, theologically correct. Yeah. Fine, it's mansion over a hilltop. You're wondering. You're looking right at me. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just all about, I got my mansion. I can't wait to get my mansion. I can't wait to get... It's like, oh boy, you, 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 Jesus is going to be there. You forget about that? No, I mean, seriously, we've got to be careful of this stuff, Right. right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of ruin some of your theology, but I'm not so sure, we're not so sure biblically that a mansion is talking about some house in heaven. Paul says we have a body, we have a house made in the heavenlies. But no, I got a big house, I got a big mansion. Put my mansion right next to Jesus. It's like, oh my word. Right? It can be humanism. It can just be greed. Yeah. And it could be that a mansion, all it's talking about, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm positive, it's just talking about a body. Okay. I ruined that tonight. Yeah. See, in God's economy, it's not about what we get, it's about what we give. 
It's about what we give, right? Getting is a byproduct of giving, and right? God says, you know, will I not pour, open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that you cannot contain? Absolutely, we understand that. But the point of our existence is like our Lord Jesus Christ to be a giver, to be a giver. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. What were all of the things? Well, food and clothes. He said, they'll be added unto you, right? He says, if your goal is to see the kingdom of God advance, you are a giver, right? which includes, the only way the kingdom of God is advanced is if we're givers, right? He says, I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of you. Why? Because it's not about us, it's about Him. Let me say it again. It's not about us. Everything we're doing here, it's not about us, it's about Him. Yeah, amen. So, so many times people come through the doors of churches and their first questions are not, well, what Bible do you all use? Right? They're, not, uh, they're not things like, well, what, what music do you, do you sing? And Do you have a visitation outbreak? Hey, do you have missionaries? Usually that's not, you know, this church, it has, it's been, except for Brother Martin, he's, he asked all those questions, but normally that doesn't get asked. But you know what happens in a lot of churches? You know what gets asked a lot of times? Is essentially, well, I need something that fits this in my life. I, I'm dealing with this now, and I'm looking for this. Or my kids need this. Or I know somebody goes, yeah, I let my kids go over there because, you know, they just really enjoyed that over there. And, you know, even though literally the guy is an absolute heretic who was the pastor, uh, you know, but my kids enjoyed it. And I just wanted them to be in church. Well, I think they'd be better off not in church than under that. Yep. What's in it for me? It gets revealed in the actions of the members. It does. Look at what their response was to reading the Word of God. Watch this. Verse 5 and 6. The people stand up. We already saw that. Ezra blessed the Lord. That word bless means to praise, to salute. <laughs> Brother Chuck, salute, right? Aye, aye, Captain. So, something like You probably wouldn't have said that. And you might have gotten in trouble if you said that, but. What's going on here? Watch this, watch this. God is the audience of their worship. God is the audience. It's about Him. It wasn't about them. Ezra was just reading the Word of God and the people are just responding to the red, the red Word of God. They're responding to it. What did they say? Amen! <laughs> yeah, amen! What were they, why were they saying amen? What does amen mean? It means it's truth. So be it. They're saying it's that's true. Amen. Listen, that's a great thing to get in 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 uh, to, to get in habit of. I don't know about you. There's times, friend, and uh, you know the truth is read, the truth is preached. Something wells up inside of you, and you just got to agree with it. All right, it's it's what they did. They said amen. They lifted their hands up. They worshipped with their faces to the ground. There is a there is a you can see the progression here. It started uh, from the reading of the word of God, and they got into the word. And they, they began to, to, to agree with the Word of God. And then worship came at the end where they ended uh, with their faces to the ground. I don't know. It kind of sounds like an invitation at the end of a church service, right? Hmm. What goes on at an altar, remember? Worship. Face down. What is it at, at an altar? Worshiping going on. What happened before that? Amen. Preach it. Right? Yeah. 
The Word of God did a work on their heart and they got to... Why, how did this happen so quickly? Well, their heart obviously was already there. They asked for the Word of God. Oh. Preached down in Texas last year. Was that last year? Man, you talk about easy preaching. It's easy preaching when there's 500 people that want the Word of God. Or even if there's 400 of them out of it that wanted it. Boy, it's easy preaching. It's easy preaching when you don't have to give an invitation. It's just like, here they come. Why? Because they were already hungry for the Word of God. You didn't coax them. Right? Yeah. Let, me, let me be done. In just a minute. <laughs> yeah. When a church is God-centered and not self-centered, the people will respond to Him. They'll respond to truth. Unfortunately, I think sometimes there's several things that go on in churches where there's not an audible response to the Word of God. Sometimes you just got some stoic stick in the muds that just think it's 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 below them right it's the, the, the high church you know much too educated to be so wild eyed as that <laughs> right I don't know it's all through the word of God absolutely but uh, sometimes I think the, the lack of response to the reading of the Word of God or the preaching of the Word of God is because the people don't know the Word of God and they don't know how to respond. That's, a, that's another indictment. Yeah. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, you want to see, this is kind of interesting. He said else when, the, when he's talking about speaking in tongues, he's, about, he's saying, this, you don't do this in the church. It's pointless. He says, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. Now obviously this is still a part of the church, to respond to truth with an audible Amen. But Paul said, if you're not speaking something that they can understand, how are they going to be able to say Amen? What was Paul saying? In one way he's saying what? There should be a response to the Word of God in your services. It's always been this way, right? And uh, you know when lost people come into our services... When you respond to the word of God, it is an act of worship, but it is another avenue of preaching the gospel. Think about it. You get, you get visitors come in or lost people come in and the preacher's preaching. Everybody just sits there like, right? Just like looking. Yeah. You know what it gives out a sense? That people don't, they don't know if people believe it or not. But you know what? And they may not get, gather that from, but if the church is all... Uh, uh, unified here and they believe the truth and they're responding to the truth and saying amen, it is actually counteracting the unbelief of the one sitting there. Because well, what do you have? A majority of the people in the room are saying, yeah, it's true. You know, have you ever been told something and you go, boy, I don't know. Then five people say, oh yeah, that happened. Then you're like, oh, okay. Maybe it did happen. Right? What are you doing? You're reinforcing the truth of the Word of God. And say, I'm telling you, Satan is fighting every individual with every lie that he can muster up. But when God's people are responding to the preaching, right? you don't just have the preacher battling the, uh, the demons. You've got, the, you got all the people battling as well. Absolutely. Another, you know what it is? Just another form of evangelism. There you go. <laughs> Amen. Amen.
Isn't that the purpose of preaching? Kind of to elicit a response? The purpose of preaching is to get, hey, to get the lost people to, to respond to the gospel, to get saved people to respond to the, to the word of God. So notice here, the assembly of the church, the activities of the church, the actions of the church, what the service actually looked like, how the people listening responded to the word of God. So now let's do this and I'm done. The assembly of the church, the activities of the church, the actions of the church. Let's change the word church to heart. Change the word church to heart. The assembly of the hearts, the activity of the hearts, the actions of the hearts. That's really what it was, wasn't it? They assembled, why? Because they were craving, their heart was craving the word of God. And then their heart responded to the word of God. Do you have that kind of heart tonight? Do we have that kind of heart tonight? That has a heart just to assemble. A heart to respond to the word of God. From the amens all the way down to the worship at the end. A heart to respond. Can I remind you, you're living in victory tonight. If you're here saved, you're born again. You are living from a place, you're starting from a place of victory. It could be you might have some sin in your life that you need to, to deal with tonight to get the joy back, get the shout back. No, no the shouts go away because sin takes the shout from you. It absolutely does. But if you're saved tonight, if you have food on the table, if you have a place to live, if you have a car to drive, if you have windows to roll down when it's hot, Right. If you have a place to come to, listen, you're living in victory. Absolutely you are. Yeah. Our church is living in victory right now. Oh, it don't look like victory. Oh, it's victory. It absolutely is. Amen. Absolutely is. Yeah. We need a heart. We need a heart that matches where we're living. <laughs> and when the heart is right, listen, the people just assemble on their own. And they'll beg for the Word of God. And they'll respond to the Word of God. And they'll worship when it's over. You see the product? You see it is? See it? It's just a church service. <laughs> Same old thing. Same thing we're doing tonight. Yeah. How's your heart tonight? Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for the just a what a neat illustration. What a you pulled back the curtain here on this service, this impromptu service when your people showed up. Just because they needed the word of God, they wanted the word of God. I wonder what our churches would be like if on by Saturday our hearts are just craving the preaching of the word of God again, and by Sunday there's wait just waiting to get in. And by Tuesday night, the hearts are saying, I need some more. And on Wednesday night, they're just craving to get in, craving to hear your word. God, it's a heart issue. 
And that that desire and the craving for the Word of God is what you're showing us here tonight. And we see it all through your Word. From beginning to end, we see it all through the place that when our heart is away from you, Lord, it it shows up in every aspect of our life. And the only reason our heart gets away from you is sin. So, Father, we just ask you to do that work tonight by your Holy Spirit. You would search our hearts and find and see if there be any wicked way in us. Lord, we get our hearts right again. Lord, that we'd, that we'd crave your word and desire your word and desire the preaching and desire to be involved in the service and desire to worship at the end. Lord, you do that tonight. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation is open. The instrument's going to play. Uh, you deal with the Lord right where you are. You got that joy? You have a heart and a desire for the word of God? we stand tonight we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer and uh, be uh, be on visitation tomorrow night 6.30 and if you're able able to come tomorrow night that'll be good we had a good good crew last last Thursday so we will be heading back out tomorrow night 6.30 all right let's be closed in a word of prayer we'll have men's prayer Saturday morning 10 o'clock and uh, so don't forget that All right, Brother uh, Chuck Peace, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?